You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. What is up, MXU fam? You guys are probably wondering what in the hell is going on here. Basically, I am the captain now. I thought it would be really good if, uh, I don't know, I did a podcast without Lee and Jeff and not tell them. So I bribed Spencer, Josh, and Scotty. Uh, to upload a podcast and see how it goes. Hopefully it goes well. If it doesn't, we probably won't do it again. And Lee and Jeff may never have me back, which is really fine, except they need me for street cred. Um, and they bring me down, so, which is why I want to do a podcast by myself, which is awkward because I've never done one by myself. And so right now I'm kind of going, oh, I wonder what I'm going to talk about. Except I'm going to bring on a guest in a little bit. So, uh, hi, Jack is basically me hijacking the podcast. So hope you guys enjoy. Give me the feedback on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and whatever else. And if Lee and Jeff kick me off, then you guys should just scream bloody murder and demand my return that Dadu is an institution now here within the MXU organization, and they can't get rid of me. So I wish that was true, but it's not. Anyways. I hope all of you guys are doing well. I'm in Atlanta, a little over cloud. I live in Atlanta, for those of you that don't really know me. Um, I reign here in the 30312 zip code, the 404 area code, right downtown in the beautiful city of Atlanta, which is way better than Sacramento, if you guys didn't know that. No offense to Sac. I appreciate the Kings. Um, so we're going on tour. You guys know that I'm only telling you that because, you know, I don't know if you've heard, except it's on everything. We won't stop talking about it because we are super excited. And maybe if I mention the tour, Lee and Jeff will let me stay on Anaheim, Dallas, Denver, Chicago, Tulsa, Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville. Some of those are one day events. Some of those are two day events. Some of them have after parties. I'm going to be there. Figure it out. Reach out to your friends. Bring someone with you. Let's have a good old time. I think it's going to be fun. I honestly do. Uh, with Ray Bold there and Corey at some of those. Adam is great. Um, Lee and Jeff or Lee and Jeff, you know. Uh, I've, someone did comment to me that I pick on them a lot. And, um, well, they're easy to pick on. What do you want me to say? I feel like that's part of my ammo is keeping Lee and Jeff in check since they're the big man on campus around here. And um, I don't know, they're lame sometimes, and I'm hilarious. So anyways, that's rude. I know. Keep going. Uh, I got a special guest coming on in a little bit, but I wanted some of you all to know a little bit more about me um, that didn't know about me because uh, Lee and Jeff never just let me blab about me. So uh, I wrote down a few questions that are common that I try to ask people. And hopefully it'll give you a little bit of insight. So if you need a little insight on me, then great. If not, fast forward. No feelings will be hurt. I live in Atlanta. I've got a sister. I've got a great nephew. My mom and dad are awesome. Blah, blah. All that stuff is good. So questions. Uh, well, Jay, what's one thing you wish you had known before you started your career? Some of you are going, what is your career? Um, well, I'm a hack of an audio guy. I've tour managed. I've production managed. Um, I don't really have, per se, a career, except I love helping people and organizations get where they need to go. So I have toured and grew up playing music and do it, did all that naturally because I was around music and one, I started pushing cases and cleaning cables, and then one day someone let me mix something, and it just kind of went on and on um, from there. And I've absolutely loved it. I'm not trying to tour full-time, but I still kind of go out and about. I'm great to fill in for people because I don't want their job, but I'd love to come out for three days and have a great time. Um, but I've found myself in a position that I just really do love helping people get where they want to go. I want to help refine systems, create uh, fix problems, build something. And so that's basically my career. It's not really easy to explain to your parents. Um, a few years ago, I was uh, in Kenya, which is where my mom was born and raised. And 
my aunt has lived there her whole life. She's 75 or 76. And I'd kind of gone to my room to send some emails and do that. And I heard my mom and two of her sisters talking. And my aunt, who lives in Kenya, uh, asked my mom what it is I actually do. And my mom's description was basically DJ Khaled. So I think my mom thinks I'm a DJ, like a good one, apparently, a really successful one if she thinks I'm DJ Khaled. And then I just post ridiculous videos, I guess, um, the rest of the time. So that is me. Uh, And here I am. So um, what's one thing I wish I had known at the beginning of my career? Back to that question. Well, I wish I knew what emotional intelligence was and how to work with people. I used to think it was about the craft or the trade and have learned over the years that it's way more about the people. Uh, we'll get the job done. Lee said it in context of the church that the that God doesn't need um, us to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. But I feel like that about most things that it's going to be fine um, if we can just all take care of each other a little bit. So that is one thing that I wish I knew early on. Um, another question was, uh, what books am I reading? Uh, I am about to listen to my first book on tape, which for some reason I don't like them, but a lot of people like them. And I'm going to listen to Matthew McConaughey's new book because I've heard that he reads it and he does a really really good job of reading it. So I think I'm going to read that. But I just got done reading this really small book called uh, The Search for God and Guinness. And uh, it, is not for, it is not called The Search for God in Guinness, um, but The Search of God and Guinness. And it's by a beautiful man named Stephen Mansfield, who's wrote a bunch of great books. But it's just one of my favorite uh, books to read. And I'm going to pull up a quote here in a second. And uh, from the book, which I think uh, you guys will all enjoy. Um, it is a lot about the Guinness family and all of those people. And it's really, really great history and just a good read. It's short, too. It's a, you could read it in a week. Here's the quote. Beer, well-respected and rightly consumed, can be a gift of God. It is one of his mysteries, which it was his delight to conceal and the glory of kings to search out. And men enjoy it to mark their days and celebrate their moments and stand with their brothers in the face of what life brings. Man, if that doesn't make you want to have a cold Guinness, then I don't know what does. The book was Stephen Mansfield, The Search for God and Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world. Really special. Pick it up. Have a gym. Um, what is one common myth about our profession that I want to debunk? Um, that we're not creatives. I think that a lot of people think that we're super technical and that we don't have creative elements, which is, I just had this conversation with um, Ryan Lewis, who's a phenomenal system engineer, lives here in Atlanta. Um, about system engineers needing to be more technical so front of house guys can be more creative and how um, when touring does come back or in some lower budget tours, both those roles are combined and sometimes it's limiting one way or the other. So um, I think audio guys and lighting guys and video directors are creative. And I think a lot of times we just get put in the techie category. And I would love for us to be seen as artists in our craft. And I think that is something that I would like to help debunk. I also think it would help our administrators, people, whether it's management or pastors or other people see us in a different light, that they give a little different leashes to creatives and artists. But when it comes to technical people that uh, that need to be creative, that they don't quite see us in that light. So that's probably a whole episode that we could do or talk about and write about. Um, but I think it's really important in the manager aspect of managing production people to see that some of them are technical, some of them are creative, and some of them are hybrid. So uh, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in production? Um, I would say that if you're in the church, then kind of being around, asking areas you can help, 
not being afraid to do the stuff that's not sitting behind a desk. I think people forget um, that there's so many other things behind, besides just mixing from, like I said, system engineering, but patching a stage, how to make a patch file, how to do the documentation, um, and all of those things. So uh, even if it's outside of the church, I would say go to your local production company. I had two great people here in Atlanta, um, Gary Teal and, and Jay Rabbit, really spend time with me in my early days and really give me opportunities and chance, chances. And I remember pushing cases and just being the a, a grunt for a little bit before I had the opportunity to step behind a desk and them really explaining things to me and spending time with me and getting to see the documentation side. And I would say just be around it. Um, same way, like kind of in the music thing, like you just kind of get around music. You get around people that are doing what you're wanting to do and, and be there and be with them um, and build relationships. The one thing I've actually loved with MXU is, is getting into the videos being a hack of an audio guy, I'm still learning so much stuff 20 years later and watching these videos. Like, well, if it wasn't MXU, it was someone else's like Pooches or Ribbles or Roberts, or there's a million resources out there. I just listened to a podcast that Grace was on that was so great. But just being and absorbing those kind of things and learning from it. Like, Corey did something recently with a snare in a video, you know, and I don't know if Corey's a good audio guy or not, but I do know he's got the best skin. Um, in audio. And so I was like, well, maybe his snare sounds good too. So I tried it and it wasn't what I would do. And then I did it and I was like, oh man, Corey and I were going for the same thing, just kind of coming at it different ways. And so I think uh, just kind of absorbing all that stuff, wherever the resource is, um, you know, for MXU, it's kind of wanting to raise the bar in church production. Uh, sometimes probably comes across that we're the coolest, not the coolest at all though really it is about helping each other kind of uh raise the bar from the bottom up and making sure that god's people the church we, we're doing things um the best we can with the resource we have it doesn't really matter what console you have or sound system you have uh it's really let's take care of each other and do the best we can with what we have and grow as we grow as the funds grow as the opportunities grow as the uh, programming as the church grows, as all those things is doing right by it and taking care of each other, I think is um, really vital in the early days that last into the later days. So I've rambled long enough. I have a guest today who I call him my lawyer, um, and he has several books out and blah, 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 but he's just really one of the funniest and greatest people that I know. One time I thought, uh, he said, let's smoke pipes. And I thought he was going to come over with tobacco pipes to my place here in Atlanta where I have a, this like little rooftop patio. And he showed up with corncob pipes and bubbles. Um, and so uh, without further ado, welcome my friend, Bob Goff. It's good to see you. How you doing? It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Oh yeah, you're kidding me. This is totally selfish on my part. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I don't know if uh, Becky told you what, what this podcast is about. She did tell me a little bit. Like, you're doing some tech stuff. And yeah, there's got a, a whole bunch of people that are dialed in. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. So two friends started this um, just conversations, and it was geared towards uh, church and production people. You know, us weirdos, as you know, uh, that yeah. live in the audio, video, lighting space. and. It started with just audio and has expanded to video and lighting and uh, uh, really formed a great following and tribe. And they've created all these videos for content that um, basically like, like I mean, you should watch some because your mic technique is absolutely awful right here. Um, but it would show you how to mic yourself properly and or oh, nice. how to deal with your pastor's mic and some of the technology that goes along with that. So it's really been a great uh, thing. And so uh, over the last 18 months, they've asked me to help them. Uh, this is 100% uh, Bob Goff vibe, but I hijacked the podcast. They actually have no idea I'm doing this podcast. Okay. And so I just hijacked it and I'm going to upload it and hope they don't get mad at me. Oh, yeah, whatever. They can sue you. Yeah, yeah. So you're my lawyer, so uh, 
um, so yeah, they can sue me, but please send Bob all the paperwork. I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, tell me what's been going on with you. I hear so many things through our mutual friends, but. Yeah, well, we're spending a ton of time here in San Diego over this uh, past year. We bought an old Young Life camp. Uh, we used to be called Oak Bridge, and we got rid of the bunk beds and all the Skittles in between the bunk beds, and we replaced them with suites and a leather furniture. And uh, so we have this retreat center. I got 25 horses there, and we're putting in a vineyard. Uh, that'll spin off 60,000 bottles of wine. And the crazy part, Jay, is I don't drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't I, had my first, my first full bottle yet. I think I've had two glasses and didn't care for it. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I probably will just take your share if that's fine with you. I'll just send all the 18-wheelers your way. Yes, uh, straight to Atlanta. That's awesome. Uh, what is the retreat center? Who's it targeted towards? Yeah, I just want a place where people would get better. Um, and even think of your crew, how you're trying to make with lighting, sound, all the back-end stuff to create the experience, kind of set the table so people can find what they uh, really need. And so I always, always feel like whether you're on the back end of this, trying to create the vibe, or you're up in front, uh, that I just want people to get what they need. Um, that's why for me, it's very much uh, true in like the storytelling, the speaking. If I'm speaking for 30 minutes, I've got 30 slides because right. I want to go like change camera angles about every 60 seconds in the hope that people will connect with an idea. And if one idea didn't connect with their life experience or belief system, there might be another one. It's like, does this connect? Does this connect? Does this connect? It's probably why they said Jesus never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. Uh, because I think people connect. If you've been to Phoenix and it's 120 degrees and hot and all that, uh, and you were convinced from your experience that that was how Phoenix was, just go talk to somebody that went to Phoenix and it rained every day and it was cold. And so if you said, oh man, Phoenix, it's so hot and it never rains, I'd be like, no, no, no. Phoenix is cold and it always rains. So what I want to do is to set up a conversation and it's very much what you're doing. To create the space that people can find what they need. That's what we're doing. I don't have a vineyard because I want the grapes. I want a vineyard because I want the vibe. Um, I love and that. People could come, take a deep breath and they could uh, run or do yoga or chase horses or I got some cows. Yeah, none of <laughs> so, none of that stuff sounded attractive to me. Running, yoga, none, none of that <laughs> sounded attractive. I'm to right me. there with you. <laughs> you got surfboards behind you, so I think you're into that. I'm not into that either. Yeah, well, San Diego, the water's pretty good here. Uh, so, uh, as you know, I spend about nine months a year here, and except this year when the border's been closed, I'm about three months at the end of an inlet in Canada. Right, you didn't again, get to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't go. Can't oh, go. You We're like out, and uh, it'll be June, I think. I figured you would have smuggled across the border somehow. I know. Only if you're engaged to somebody, and Maria would object. Um, yeah. So, um, so what we do there is the same thing again that you and your posse are doing uh, inside churches. Just create the vibe, and then people can get what they need. Some people just need some rest. They need to be away from all the cameras and all that, and they just need to chill out. And I've got, I think, three satellite systems there. We've got better internet than I have in San Diego, <laughs> uh, but I turn it all off when people come. They're like, I just lie. They say, do you have internet? I'm like, oh, man, no. Sorry. It's for the greater good. Yeah. Just, I just want to create the space where people can unplug. And uh, I just think you ought to jam everybody's cell signals inside the church so people wouldn't be distracted by all the other things going on. You'll, you'll actually um, approve of my recent purchase. I bought a Jeep Wrangler. Um, my car died right after I was straight up unemployed post-COVID, right? Uh, but I needed a car, so I, I was like, well, I've been saving. So I bought a Jeep Wrangler. And then I didn't know this. I'd always heard this, that you're never done with your Jeep Wrangler. Like never. Oh, there's always something. Always to something. Like you can always change something. Like I got stuck in the mud. So then I went and bought a winch. I want a bigger tire. So I got bigger rims. You know, just to never. Yeah. Well, 
I got an ad on Instagram because they're really good at that. And it was de- the, the thing was Deep Sleep for Jeep. And it's a mattress made for Jeep Wranglers. And they make them for other, oh, other cars too. So I have a mattress in the back of my Jeep. And if I feel the need to put myself in a timeout, I will go somewhere and just go chill. It's so good. Very opposite of me because I'm not real chill. But I, uh, living in Atlanta, I went to Stone Mountain uh, the other day where there's this great lake, and I just parked my Jeep and I was started uh, finishing a book that I just mentioned earlier. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, the, do you know Stephen Mansfield? Have no, you guys I ever met? He wrote. He's wrote several books like uh, the Faith of a Soldier, the Faith of Bush, the Faith of Obama. But he has a book called The Search for God and Guinness, not God in Guinness. I don't think. Uh, God lives in the pint, but it's a really, I've read it probably six times and I just always love reading it. And uh, so good. I'll put that on the list. Yeah. I just literally went and uh, laid on the mattress, read the book, dozed off. Now I'm very weird about that stuff. So I was like, like, I don't want to doze off in public and then wake up and there's someone in the Jeep with me and, or someone staring at me. It freaks me out, but I just kind of had to let go. And yeah, it was great. The, the breeze so was good. flowing. The windows were down. Um, and, uh, I just, I literally fell asleep for an hour after reading for about 45 minutes and woke up and I was like, okay, I needed that. I didn't realize I needed that. Yeah. Maybe some time of rest to just for people that are, uh, serving. Uh, there's a lot of times that people are just like, just burn out. They're kind of running on fumes. Uh, sweet Maria Goff is, she'd say she's like a race car with a small gas tank. Like she can just go a little spurt and then she needs to stop for a while. You're the opposite. I'm a, I'm yeah. Yeah. All gas, no break. Like I remember getting a text uh, from you at like 1130 PM and like, Hey, I'm in Atlanta. Uh, do you want, do you guys want to eat? You had texted Crowder and I, and I think we met you at 1230 at a diner. Yes. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. I just kind of, I think I uh, was in Atlanta that time. There was a guy that had, um, uh, it was actually the opposite of me. He was like pretty angsty. He had a kind of a mouth and, uh, he was just like in everybody's grill about everything. And he was one of the only guys that I thought that I just, I would have a hard time getting along with him. Um, and so I had a friend that knew his phone number. So I called him up and, uh, he'd ended up all over Twitter or something. Cause some went a little wry. And, uh, and so, I called him up. I said, Hey, it's Bob here. And he said, it's like, Bob who? I'm like, I know I get that all the time. Um, but it, I saw this big headline and I just want you to know that I was really sorry that that happened. And he said, buddy, you don't know the half of it. I've gotten six death threats this week, um, arising out of this thing. Um, and uh, I actually have to move. My mother-in-law lives with me, my wife, kids. And so we're packing up and I thought in a moment of clarity, why don't I fly back and help you move? And so I flew back. <laughs> I met the guy and uh, it was earlier that day. And uh, right inside his front door, there was a, a box and it said China. I was thinking like plates, not the country. And I picked it up and the bottom fell out, broke every single plate. I've known this guy for 60 seconds and I've just broken everything that matters to him the most. And uh, there was that awkward, I'm standing there with my empty box and he looked at me and, oh, I thought I was going to get a, uh, like a really a verbal beating. And, uh, and he said, rookie mistake. And he laughed and walked away. I'm like, I love this guy. <laughs> and so it started what's been a years long friendship with him. He actually ended up uh, trending again, number one on Twitter on something went awry again. And I called him up. I'm like, dude, are you okay? And he said, Bob, you won't believe this. I have to move again. And I said, can I help you? He's like, oh, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And so what I think about is, again, it's setting the table. And uh, not only for people that are just like us, but to actually stretch a little bit more. He's not the guy with the problem. I'm the guy with the problem. And I needed to get beyond myself to say, uh, I want to like get beyond this angsty thing that I have going on that's kind of separated us. He, it turns out he was a really nice guy. I'm a plate breaker. He was a really nice guy. And I, I needed to get kind of create the environment where I could discover something new about somebody. So again, I'm right back with your posse. Perfect segue. Uh, sometimes, right, in 
uh, our world, so our production people versus management, whether the management is in a church setting is pastoral. We have several listeners that are not church people, whether it's artist management or someone's like, how, how do we keep the bridge, right? Because uh, generally those people in leadership, the administrative over us, have an opinion about our world. I can have a pastor or an executive pastor or worship creative pastor or whatever come tell me something about my audio mix that they don't like, but I don't get to tell them their sermon sucked. So yes. how does that work? Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, my rule of thumb is I'm always a guest. Even if that was your church and you're calling yourself a lead pastor, which actually none of the disciples did. <laughs> I'm the lead disciple. Like John, when he guys said, I'm the disciple everybody loved. But I always thought like these are such artificial manufactured things. Um, so be the most humble person out there. Say thank you to people uh, that are miking you up and to realize that add, take a genuine interest. If you need a Bible verse. What, what happens when AV goes wrong? Oh, like, yeah. When AV goes wrong, different? assume it's you. <laughs> I just assume I'm the guy that created the problem. Yeah, 30, uh, 30 slides in 30 minutes, I would say you are the problem. <laughs> I am the problem. And so what I do is I said, we can do it one of two ways. I'll either have a clicker myself, uh, and I'm the high maintenance guy because uh, the reason the science behind this is some people are audio learners and others are visual learners. And so wherever somebody comes in there, I just want them to have like something that'll help get the message across. But if I can't click it myself, then I say, I'll do this Vanna White thing where I just kind of like raise my right arm. And if the second time I do that, it the image doesn't appear there. I always have a second sermon in my back pocket and just give one that doesn't have any slides. That's great. And then nobody's just chill out. So I'm the guy creating the problem or the visual imagery that actually loops people in, but everybody ought to have two sermons in their back pocket. Uh, right. So, which is really give, give an account. It's kind of like a act of kindness. Um, and then you never, never embarrass the person behind the board. I'm not talking to you because you're the guy behind the board. You never do anything that, but uh, just be gratefulness. Have you had some really funny, moments, AV moments? I have, uh, I, usually because it all poops out. Like everybody knows how that goes. It just, it's, it's nobody's fault. It just like all collapses. But I'm thinking of the time I didn't have any notes and it was one hour and 30 seconds before I went up, they said all the AV just uh, like went off. And I'm like, well, good. This is going to be awesome. I can't picture Jesus with three by five cards. I think he would <laughs> just speak great. from the heart. So yeah. one of the other things is to be ready to include other people. There was a uh, gathering, I think it was 3,000 pastors that were there. I was talking to a woman who her ambition was that she had wanted to be a speaker, but she never had a chance to. And she'd been raised in, uh, had been the subject of a lot of discrimination historically, had just a beautiful message to give. And so right before we went up, I grabbed her by the hand and uh, we said like, Mike her up. And so we walked out on the stage holding hands and then I just stepped out of the shot and I said, go. <laughs> <That's so laughs> They'll great. never have me back, but it was really yeah, awesome. Great, she yeah. did better than I'd ever do. And so I think that idea for us to have um, the things that matter most to us is it comes from Philippians 2.20. It's Paul talking about Timothy, and he says, there's nobody like Timothy. He's a guy that takes a genuine interest in the people around him. And I kind of want that to be the standard for the people that are up in front, to take a genuine interest. The people that are running the whole show, like they take an interest in you. I just want everybody else to take an interest in them. Yeah, let's let's flip the script then. So uh, say that we've got... Uh, sound guys and lighting designers and lighting operators and video directors and camera people and even stage managers, you know, who are the ones bringing out your props and your table. Like, what would you tell them? What advice would you have for them? And they're not the ones uh, name on the marquee or leading from the platform or, or you know, the, the name. They're the ones supporting the talent, whether it's in the church, outside of the church, you know? Yeah, I... I, I 
challenge the preposition sometimes that that's talent. It just happens to be the dude that's in front, <laughs> whether he's talented or not. Um, but but uh, one of the things to do is to go introduce yourself. Uh, they should be situationally aware and introduce themselves to you uh, because you're the ones making it go and they're in your house. Uh, but uh, to like not create this artificial hierarchy that we're, uh, if there's a hierarchy, Jesus said it was the person that was like serving was actually the one leading. So if you really had the mindset, not in a pompous way, but to just say like, actually in this crazy reverse economy, uh, like I'm the one that's leading this, the guy or gal in front may not know that, but I know that. <laughs> For sure. And so it's something about that to do it with excellence is unto the Lord. But at the same time, with a lot of confidence to say, man, my hope is that with all the little picadillos that happen along the way and everybody's little weird intricacies that that God would use this in some way to touch somebody. And so what I'm going to do is my part. And rather than have this thing, like if you look up codependence in a, <laughs> on Wikipedia, but uh, I'm going to deal with the stuff on my side of the ledger, but I'm not going to try to sort out the stuff that's on their side of the ledger. And it's not indifference. It's just a mature emotional response uh, that I'm going to do a great job controlling the things I can control, uh, but I'm not going to try to control the things that I can't control. But then on a Sunday, perfect example, let's use Sunday as an example, uh, service gatherings are over and the pastor doesn't like something and he's coming at you blister. And I'm not trying to, I don't want pastors to say, well, well, Bob said it, you know, this, I'm, but like, but you, you, you've got a young person, right? You've got a, you've got a 500 seat church who has a volunteer sound guy who has a regular nine to five job and is volunteering his time for little money or no money. He's already there one night a week for a rehearsal. And now he's there on Sunday and the pastor's just given it, or the executive pastor or the worship leader's given him the business because something went awry. Like his, I, I, you know, I'm a little too hood. You know, I, you know me. I, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, let's go outside and fight. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I got the sword. You know, I was yeah. ready. Uh, uh, but what do you do? What What would you tell me, who's ultra, you know, aggro, or the a, a like a young person who's crushed? in that yeah. moment that they didn't do something. First, can I just apologize for everybody that said something lame or inconsiderate or, or they were just under a lot of pressure and something was going, this isn't an excuse, but it's an authentic apology. Um, there's, I promise you, Jay, there is a bride that's praying for sunshine this Saturday at her wedding. And then there's a farmer that's praying for rain. And, uh, oh, so and, if it, and if it rains, doesn't mean he doesn't like the bride. It means that God's doing something different in their life than he happens to be doing in the other person's life. And so at that moment where the person's in your grill, uh, what you can say is you can actually respect your own boundaries to say, you need to back up about six inches and you need a tic-tac. Um, but then you can also say, um, to say, Hey, I, uh, these are legitimate. Obviously I can see that you have some concerns about that. And me too, I saw what you saw. Um, but I want to make sure that what we're doing is having a respectful conversation and that's kind of a boundary for me. And, uh, so I feel like we just jumped over that so we could do it, have a whole do over where you walk back into the room again. <laughs> that isn't being cocky. That's just saying, Hey, listen, we need to have an atmosphere where we deal with each other as peers, as co-conspirators on this. Uh, conspiracy is uh, just two people taking a deep breath. It isn't Trump and Putin. It's just two people like just taking a breath. Like, so can oh, we just so like inspire together a little bit for how we could do better next time? Um, your whole, uh, these dream big workshops you're doing like, uh, I think people forget us production people are dreamers too. Um, yeah. we, we get pinned in a very technical thing, but uh, the person who's actually creating the sound mix or the lighting design or the way the video looks is really a creative, just like a singer, an artist, speaker, communicator. But sometimes we get uh, put in a very techie category. And so uh, how do we dream when we're executing someone else's orders? Yeah, I... I think part of it is to decide 
I'm going to do the best I can. I'm just going to give you my best. And uh, most times it'll work. Sometimes it won't. And I'm just going to hope today is most times. Uh, but if it ended up being today was sometimes, then uh, what we're going to do is catch our breath, but not get discouraged because discouragement is a punk. And what it'll do is it'll squish your dreams. And so you could have bigger ambitions than whatever it is that's going on in front of the stage. Let's say like you really want today to go great. Uh, but what I have is there's 88,000 kids in Yemen that have died. And so we need to get some food to them. And so I really want the audio to work today, but I really, really want uh, this thing to work in Yemen. And so to give yourself something to compare it to, like to have a bigger ambition than this big, beautiful ambition about the things that you do. I would offer another thought is don't be limited by your capabilities. Uh, you might be really capable of this. I'm really capable of being a trial lawyer, but I just chucked it. And it wasn't because I didn't like being a trial lawyer because you can make a ton of money and it's really fun. I love it. But I felt like even though I was capable of that, I thought I was feel like I'm made to do more. I'm made to do something different. So for some people, maybe their next right move is to give notice. <laughs> I wouldn't I write a that. long letter. I just have two words. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> you Now, speaking of, you you quit something every week. Every Thursday. It's awesome. Tell, tell, us, tell us why. Nobody will take my calls. Um, I could best describe this. I do a, you and Crowder need to come with me sometime. I teach a class at San Quentin. And I've got probably about 100 guys in the class, and most of them in there for life, but some for a little bit less. And this one guy named Kevin called me up, and he said, Bob, I'm standing on the outside of the wall. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> How did he call you? Yeah, tell me. Uh, we don't have to get into put the particulars. A bunch of yeah. together. And uh, he had just gotten released, and he had my phone number. I was his first call. And I thought it was going to be one of these beautiful moments. I said, Kevin, what are you thinking, buddy? And he said, I've got pockets. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and then I remembered right. you can't have pockets in pockets. San Quentin because you'll put the yeah. wrong stuff in them. And so well, that, what I would say- You might say, have been visiting me had you not got out of me out of that one thing yeah, at the airport that, that one time. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. That's all you, baby. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I want to do is uh, just be really careful what we put in our pockets. And every Thursday, I take something out of my pocket that I've been carrying around. It's a commitment. I, I stopped making appointments. I've been uh, you know, free of appointments for probably six years now, seven years. I just don't make them. Um, if somebody wants to call me, just call me up. And if I can take it, I will. And if I can't, I won't. Well, I appreciate you scheduling a time for this one. No, no, this doesn't <laughs> feel like an appointment. It's just a conversation with a friend. I love that. Are you still officing out of Disneyland? Yeah, they're closed. It'd be a misdemeanor, but I've got diplomatic immunity still. So, That's <laughs> so right. there's that. Yeah. I hear they're opening yeah. April 1st uh, here in Anaheim. Uh, but I've really been spending most of my time up at the camp. And uh, we're just chasing horses. We've got a, we train horses up there, uh, how to be racehorses. So, uh, so there's all these wealthy people with racehorses and we were closed at the camp. So we just said, I got a racetrack, let's use it. So now I'm the tall man on campus. I got all these jockeys and folks running around. I, I'm just, I still don't know anything about horses. You don't need to. No, yeah. don't need to. Yeah. Um, we had this conversation on a previous podcast uh, just about time management. You know, a lot of uh, it gets convoluted when you work in a religious organization because your job, uh, your career, your church, your, all of that becomes one. And so sometimes when you need to pull an 80 hour week, it's because you work for the church and it's part of, part of the mission and all that, uh, which is just wrong, right? Uh, it doesn't work like because if you're working at GE or anywhere else, like, but your family suffers, you know. And how how would you help our audience help understand some of those boundaries or you know how have you done it? Uh, the piano thing that you do when you come home, yeah. Like what are the stress relievers? What are the the boundaries that can help these? Yeah, all of us, me included. Two thoughts come to mind. I write books and I don't put Bible verses in them because I mean, if you want a Bible verse, read the Bible. It's full of them. Um, but I'm actually a Bible verse guy. Um, and there's a great verse, it's John 17, and it's Jesus talking to his dad. And he said, I brought glory and honor to you by finishing the work you gave me to do. 
like finish your work. But it sets up the second one. It's John 6, 29. And so the disciples said, what's our work? And so Jesus said, your work is to believe in the one God sent. That's it. It's not that and get the mix right and get the lights on. Your job is eyes fixed on Jesus. And so I don't think you need to work 80 hours a week to do that. I, I don't know how you could have your eyes fixed on Jesus if you work in 80 hours a week. And so you got to decide, hey, do you want to do this Ananias and Sapphira thing? You haven't lied to man, you've lied to God. <laughs> so I'm not trying to get heavy, but I'm just saying like, oh, I would great. think people want your, you to do, what's, just keep your eyes on your own paper and to say, you know what, I got to tap out. How do you not bring the work home with you? I mean, you're a lawyer. Like, yeah. how do you how did how did you not do that? Or building this property and all the crazy. You've done some insane things in your life. You the story of your relationship with Uganda alone. Everyone should read Bob's books. You won't believe it till you meet him or hear him and go. He okay. He wasn't lying. He's this guy's real deal. Um, what I want to do is to say, uh, how could we honor the the beautiful things that we have the opportunity to do, and at the same time do it in a way that doesn't involve a sacrifice for the people around us. Like the people that I'm convinced that God has given me my family to take care of. And I've missed this thing. I I was the guy that pulled in to my driveway only to find a help wanted sign in the window. And it wasn't Maria saying she needed help. She was like being nice to say, Bob, you need help. She really put that in the window. Yeah, she did. She's like, you're missing it, buddy. Like you're spending all this time doing all this other stuff and you're missing what we're doing right here. And uh, that was really painful, but I was so grateful for a kind, honest voice to say, give me like some, a little bit of correction. But I would say again, I'm thinking of kind, honest voices, Um, not uh, like bony fingers pointed in your direction because Jesus isn't an accuser. What he does, like there's somebody else in that business uh, but to just say in an honest way, but it's First Peter, uh, that a verse a lot of people know, always be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you. But then they stop there and they don't read it on and it says, but to do it with kindness and respect. So I would say this is going to be the language we speak. And these are the words that uh, we will allow to be spoken to us with kindness and respect. Uh, and that's not with militants, it's with resolve to say, I can't be the guy I need to be if you're speaking to me without kindness and respect. Do you still play the piano when you come home? I do. I play Maria how my day was. And because I'm a lawyer and I, like people tell me stuff I can't repeat, um, what I do is I play her how my day was. If it's a really good day, I'm up high on the white keys. If it's kind of like a like kind of an average day, it might be somewhere in the middle. If it's really bad, I'm just like banging it with all my my forehead and fists. Um, but what she'll do is she'll say, tell me more about your day. In other words, I'll just play some more. And uh, Do you actually play piano? I literally do. Yeah. And I have a mood ring. Check that out. You can see it here on Zoom. <laughs> That's I, yes, you just tell me how your mood ring is. Why is it that color? What's that mean? Isn't that great? That's hilarious. I always thought mood rings were hoax, but I'm now going to no, go No, it's one. for real. Four bucks. We can hook you up. That's, that's great. A Bob Goff mood ring, a custom <laughs> mood ring. Um, I want to honor your time, and I know you got to run, but I want to ask you what's coming up for you. Like, what's next? Yeah, what's next for me is uh, we're in Sudan, South Sudan in May. We're doing a food drop. There's a civil war that's been going on there tragically. Um, so we're there, you can fit 65,000 people worth of food in one airplane. Uh, and so, uh, s- uh, some of us will be on the ground cause you like need to figure out where it goes and then others will be in the airplane pushing it out. And, uh, so that's in May, we're starting our second school in Afghanistan. We've got one in the former capital, the Taliban, uh, and that's got little girls that are learning how to read and write. And the second one goes in on the border of Iran between Iran and Afghanistan. And so we're with a ton of optimism about that. And then we're trying to feed some people right here in the U S 
So I uh, have got awesome. to just want to be all this stuff overseas. It sounds noble, but the only thing you'll find in scripture about going overseas, Paul got shipwrecked and Jonah got swallowed. <laughs> That's it. That's right. But you'll find a ton <laughs> of stuff where Jesus talked to a lawyer like me and to say, love your neighbor. So if you can't do it across the street, don't you be doing it across an ocean. That's great. And Uganda is still East Africa in general. Yeah, 1,600 kids in just one of the schools in Uganda. We started our third school in Mogadishu, Somalia, and are starting two more in other regions in Somalia. And we did our food drop there last year. It was uh, 60,000 people. Al-Qaeda had actually surrounded them and cut off all their food. And we flew it over their heads and landed on the sand. (laughs) That'll get you puckered up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll get you. Now. Yeah, don't worry about the. Yeah, that's great. Um, we are a community of creatives, techies, and dreamers. Leave us with just an encouraging word, if you will, about how do we get to still dream and still be creative oh. and still execute. Like, give us a charge. Yeah, this is where you I, I'm going to tell you a quick story and a charge. We were doing something for uh, Magnolia. Uh, day before yesterday, we took four days to film this thing. And I don't know anything about filming, but the last thing they wanted to do is have me climb up this 50 foot water tower. And uh, so I got to the bottom of the water tower. I'm looking up because the wind's blowing pretty good. They wanted me doing something at the top of it. I was wondering if I was going to get blown off. And, uh, and so um, I'm looking up at how many rungs there are ahead of me. And I didn't look down at my feet. There's a coiled rattlesnake, Jay. Like literally, he's six inches from me. And uh, were you carrying a pistol? No, I wasn't. But I, there was a slippery slope after that. But what I uh, would have thought of when I got my composure of is I was so intent on where I was going, I didn't realize what was going on right at my feet. And so, what I want to do that saying you guys have in the South, be where your feet are. So, You can have a general idea of the direction, but let's figure out where you are right now in your faith, with your family, if finances are freaking you out, your fitness, just everything that starts with an F. Uh, Ferraris, if you got one. But like, where are you at right now before you figure out where you're going? And that kind of a self-assessment, well, let's just say, man, I'm just hurting right now. And let somebody know that. Just say, I'm feeling complete, very isolated I'm feeling misunderstood or I'm really enthusiastic, wherever it is, but maybe then take an interest in the people around you. Say, hey, tell me where you are. What's a rattlesnake at your feet? And to say like, oh, the rattlesnake at my feet is actually the one that's up in front right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just be honest. And if you are, then reconcile with one another. Just say, man, listen, just find a quiet time and go full Matthew 5 on that. I love that. Well, you just celebrated a birthday. Can I ask? 62. We're birthday twins for those at home that don't keep up with my birthday. Bob, I was You were the best looking 62 year old guy I've ever met. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Another five or 10 years, I'm going to have my midlife crisis. Yeah, I'm growing my hair out like you. I can't wait to see what your midlife crisis, your other one, got, <laughs> had you become the uh, Ugandan ambassador to America. So the sky's the limit. So, well, we appreciate you. Um, I'll keep you posted how this community is doing. Yeah, like, uh, please do. And, and if I can help just, out, cell phones still in the back of a, a book or two. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, well, we really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, let's hit, a, let's meet you and Crowder cause some trouble soon. Come on. All the right kind of yeah. mischief. That'll be great. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Take care, Bob. Okay. Wow, guys, that was like drinking from a fire hydrant. Mr. Bob is pretty ridiculous, pretty smart guy and kind of crazy, which I love. If you have not read any of Bob's books, it is 100% worth reading them. And you won't believe half the stuff in it, which I didn't at first. And then I kind of got to know the guy and verify by just hearing other people tell his stories and then you can read about it and he's got an organization and the crazy stuff he does. It's all incredibly wild and pushes boundaries. Like you heard a few of his stories. Um, Big takeaway uh, for me listening to Bob was to just kind of check on each other, be real with each other and check on each other. And I think uh, that would be great for us to do this week. So if someone came to mind while listening or there was a bridge 
there with uh, someone in leadership that you need to figure out, figure it out. I think that was such such good uh, stuff and he had for us. I thought Bob and I were just going to tell crazy stories and laugh, and then my man went deep on us. So I appreciate that uh, from Bob. I think we all need it. Sign up for MXU, blah, blah. Get on the tour. Just come to the tour. Like, Hit me up on the Facebook groups and the Slacks and all that and the Instagrams and and uh, all the stuff that people connect uh, on. And let's connect. Let's talk. I'd love to know who's listening. I'd love to know what's going on. Uh, tell me some crazy hijacks. Clearly, this is going to be a success. Uh, clearly, Lee and Jeff are not going to be able to kick me out. So the people have spoken, and uh, let's do it. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, I'm sure a normal podcast will drop in the next few days, but Dadu, out. <laughs>